Kuratato. Budgerie Gamaru from my people in the Gadigal Nation. Um, and gender expansiveness is a revelation of God. Can I get an amen up in here? Both of my messages uh, this weekend have focused on Ephesians and the workshops that I've done have focused on Ephesians and that's been a bit of a deep dive into that section of scripture. So I've had some amazing feedback from people coming up to me all weekend and saying, because we've heard you speaking about this so much, we've gone home and downloaded several seasons of RuPaul and we're watching it. (laughs) There's nothing more a preacher can ask for. Now, one thing that I'm, I'm really hoping has come across, I often I get very, uh, very serious and intense and wound up when I preach, but queer reading utilizes humor all the time. It's queer people, I don't know if you've noticed this, we are hilarious. We really are. We take our jokes so seriously and... Somebody said to me, in the, um, I, I didn't even catch this woman's name. If you're here, I would love to hear your name. In the group that I led, I was talking about my reading of some texts of terror in Ephesians. And this person summed it up and said, so what you're saying is this text is suck it up, survive. And I was like, I think that is what I'm saying. I wish, I wish you told me that before the chapter was published. Because that would have made an excellent section heading. Suck it up, survive. Queer people are experts in survival, and we get through it because we laugh, and sometimes we laugh so that we don't cry, and sometimes we laugh so that we get to laugh first before somebody else laughs, and sometimes we laugh because we just made them look so stupid. And what we've done is we've flipped the negative around and we've turned it into a positive. Now, the passage we just read from Ephesians, I was kind of bummed that I wasn't able to fit into this sermon all of the background on the Roman Empire and how it is so hierarchical and violent. So I would like to thank Steph for doing all my work for me, (laughs) which is magnificent. And in that situation, this is what I want to add. Ephesians is written... Um, some people believe there's controversy around this but the story itself that's told in Ephesians the picture that it gives to us is of Paul sitting in a Roman dungeon don't think of a western jail where there are human rights think of a hole in the ground where if you're lucky enough you have relatives who bring you food because the state doesn't have to do that for you where there's no sanitation at all living in, in this abject condition of of human filth and just at the end of everything. And his captors wear the armor of the Roman military. And so Paul looks at that and says, I'd look good in that outfit. <laughs> this is, you people, there's all this stuff. I don't know if I believe historically in the suggestion, oh, maybe this person in the Bible is gay, maybe they're not. I don't know. Paul has the sense of humor of a queer person. To look at his captor in that situation and say, I've got some filthy rags down here. Ooh, that hat, that red plume, that would be an amazing... Do you know what? And I'm going to turn that into a spiritual exercise. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. That's actually God's power. And do you know what it reminds me of? There was this, uh, this 
moment that happened recently, and queer people do this all the time, but this was just in the last couple of months. Um, I don't know if you'll follow US politics. I am probably as addicted to that as I am sometimes to other TV shows I won't mention, but um, Ron DeSantis, uh, governor of Florida, right? And there was that stunt. This is, this is how straight people try to make jokes. And I, so I wonder if they're okay sometimes. He's like, I'm anti-immigration, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to get 50 refugees, lie to them, tell them that this progressive place called Martha's Vineyard have homes and jobs for them and put them in a coach and send them there and not tell anyone, and they're going to arrive and we're going to see what they do. And the people of Martha's Vineyard were, were magnificent. They came around these people and did everything they could. But this was supposed to be a stunt that Ron DeSantis thought, that would make me look good. This is... Queer people don't make dumb jokes like that. Have you ever heard some, a leader in a queer movement or oppressed people anywhere, have you ever heard of people making such stupid jokes? But this is how the queer community responded. Instantly, drag performances all over America were featuring Rhonda Santos. <laughs> Draped in a beautiful American flag done up as like this Republican model of traditional femininity and our joke our jokes are better than theirs is what I'm saying that's that's the only point I'm trying to get across our jokes are so much better than theirs what Paul and the drag queens playing Rhonda Santos are doing is they're taking the picture of the oppressor and they're simultaneously showing how ridiculous it is and turning it into a source of power for us we are empowered, and oh, the, yours is gone. Sorry about that. Humor. Humor is an incredible survival strategy, subversive political strategy. And this is what I love about the way that Ephesians concludes, is Paul says, put on the armor of God. And I'm going to share with you, I told you there was no limit. I'm going to share with you one more moment from RuPaul, and this was down under 2021. I'm not going to tell you, I got in some trouble for letting people know who won and who didn't win. Um, it was over a year ago. I, sorry, not sorry. But <laughs> Maxi Shield, I've, I've known of Maxi Shield for, for decades. Performer in Sydney, uh, brilliant, well-loved by our community. But, you know, down under and we send our people to global standards and there's a lot of scrutiny going on. And for this contest, because it was a costume, because it, uh, it was sewing and all this stuff, Maxie was a favourite to win. And then she totally bombed. And Michelle Visage, who's one of the judges on the panel, says, I just feel like there's a confidence issue here, right? There's a confidence issue that, that when you stop believing in yourself, you just you go inside yourself. This is, people have been saying, I didn't realize there was spiritual insights. Like, can anyone relate to that? Like, when you stop believing, suddenly you go inside yourself and you're in a situation where you're just like, sorry, I'm not, I'm not present with you because I'm like wondering, you know, what, 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 what I sound like. And, and we get stuck in that. And then RuPaul says, looks at Maxi and says, these challenges are designed to see who you are. My therapist 20 years ago told me, 
You know, Rue, the power that you have in drag is available to you outside of drag. Does that ring true for you? The power that you have then is available to you all the time. Just because you take the costume off doesn't mean you now have to shrink back down again. You know, and this is something that you know, I've learned about, you know, about spending 30 minutes in solitude, even things which aren't all that flashy. That peace is then available to you, not just during the silence, because you've had that silence, it's there for the rest of the day. When you've visualized yourself in a certain way, when you've changed your perception of yourself, when you felt powerful, if you can think of a moment in your life when you felt powerful and then realize, oh, hey, right now I'm feeling small, I can tap into that moment 20 years ago, it's right there for me now. You just have to reach out for it. It's the most incredible thing. This is, my, this is my queer reading of the entire book of Ephesians. I really believe this is the message of the whole letter. Your spiritual battles are designed to see who you are. You know, the power that is available to those Roman soldiers who oppress you, an even greater power is available to you as well, even though you are not physically wearing the armor. Because we don't often see, Steph talked about the kingdom of God and how there are these other kingdoms that are violent and oppressive, but the kingdom of God subverts it all. But we don't often see the glory and the, and the outfits and the flags and all that kind of stuff. There is a greater power than all the oppressive forces in this whole world. It's right here in this place with us right now. And it's available to us all the time. And sometimes we walk around and we feel this big, right? Because some lawmaker in Tennessee passed a stupid law and I read about it in the news and it's taken up 80% of my mental real estate all day long. And all I want to do is frown at people who are innocent passers-by on the street and yell at the person who's making me a coffee. I'm just... I'm trapped inside myself. I'm stuck. This oppression has gotten to me and I need to go, wait, there is a power that is available to me. You know, if I could ask God for just one gift for the queer community, if it was like a genie situation, which we know God is not a genie, but if I had one wish from God for the queer community, I'd say, give us resilience. Resilience, which means the ability to tap into that power even in the moments when we don't feel like it's right here present with us. That, that moment of standing up for ourselves. You know, I was 16 when I watched sodomy being decriminalized in my country. And it didn't affect me at all. I just kind of watched it feeling awkward and uncomfortable and theologically confused. <laughs> and the same age, around that same age, in my city... A woman called uh, the Reverend Dr. Margaret, um, sorry, Dorothy McRae McMahon. Sorry, I'm mixing people up. Dorothy McRae McMahon um, and the other person, her successor at, at her church. Dorothy McRae McMahon came out as the first publicly lesbian minister in the Uniting Church in Australia. And the, the denomination went up in flames. And I'm 16 and I'm watching it. And again, it doesn't affect me. I haven't got any skin in the game. And then I'm in my early 20s 
And I'm like, this is it. I've got all the fight in the world. I'm so scrappy. I'm getting into marriage equality. I'm joining all the committees. I'm organizing the rallies. We're going to make marriage equality happen. And I fought for 17 years and it didn't happen. Seven, and at the end of those 17 years, they decided to send a survey to the entire population of Australia to decide what the outcome was going to be. And the entire queer community felt this big. And 17 years, it's a long time to be in a political struggle. And I just got to this place of total exhaustion. I was tired. I felt sick thinking about queer rights. I felt like giving up and never fighting for anything again. It's too much of a fight. It was easy to watch that stuff from my armchair when I was 16 years old. My 20s and my 30s and then, do you know, there is an ancient African proverb and I'm so glad that we had that exercise blend with our fists and letting go. Here's an ancient African proverb. It says there's no fist big enough to block out the sky, but they feel like they do. The fist, the oppression that we experience, we feel overwhelmed. The problems feel so huge and so unmovable and we just get blown away by all of them and we lose track of the presence of God. We lose track of the joy of God which lives inside us, of our peace. We lose track of our power and it's like the fist has blocked out the sky. And what we need to do is we need to remember a thunderstorm can come and it can look like the sky is gone. The sky is never gone. That's what that proverb teaches us. The sky is it's always there. Our power has always been there. It's never left us when we went through periods of total burnout. When we react, you know, when the fight makes them seem bigger than us. This is our resilience. It's our connection to the sky. It's our connection to that thing which is eternal. It's our connection to that power. And so I want to talk about bringing Roman soldier realness to the book of Ephesians. This is, RuPaul says, bringing realness. It's drag slang. Do people recognize that language? To bring realness means to embody someone's energy. Right. If I want to bring Ron DeSantis realness, I can bring that to the stage. Right. If I want to, if I want to embody some some character, I can bring a politician. I can bring you know a, a famous diva. I can bring a musician. I can bring an energy. I can find that. And and this is why I think drag is such a powerful spiritual action for people to take because they say I'm going to embody this, and then I'm going to become it. I'm going to embody this and then I'm going to find that power within myself. And we need to bring the realness of the armor of God into our lives. And I want to start talking about the sword. The sword is later on in the list, but I'm starting about it because really my sermon yesterday was about the sword. When I talked about identity affirmations, that's a sword. Uh, teaching queer reading, what I think that the church is doing when we learn how to read the Bible queerly is we're forging swords of the spirit for the queer community. The other day, we had a, we had a beautiful World Pride in Sydney recently. Uh, some of you were here, Seth shared some pictures. It was, it was an amazing time, Mardi Gras. We had a united Christian float and, and all of us were in like solid sequin tops, like silver. Just, just gleaming. And there was, a, there was a marching band of drums 
which came from the Uniting Church, which was amazing. And, you know, I put up a lot of social media, got a lot, lot of likes, a lot of comments. And then there was some rando who just thought, I don't even know why I'm friends with this person. Do you ever, like, appear to be friends with this person? Who is this? <laughs> just thought the perfect way to respond to this beautiful picture is to cut and paste 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and just dump it in the text and hit send. That would be an appropriate thing to do. People often, they think that's what the sword of the spirit means. Using scripture as a weapon. This is what I know about that, is that after Jesus' baptism, what Satan did was follow him around quoting scriptures at him. That's not the sword of the spirit. Satan's interpretations actually were not half bad. The Messiah was going to bring miraculous bread. The Messiah was going to go to the temple and be raised by angels. The Messiah was going to inherit all the kingdoms of the world. The primary problem here was not that Satan was misinterpreting these scriptures, but he's using them to attack God's beloved child. And that's just not what the sword of the spirit is. That's not what it does. The same scripture is what Jesus uses in that battle to deflect each and everything that the devil says to him, that's the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is when we pick up our scripture and we use it to defend the people that God love. That's the sword. And before I said marriage equality, 2017, I'm sick and tired and I'm giving up. That's not who I am. It, it was my truth in that moment, but I wasn't going to actually take that truth and make it my identity. I'm, that's not who I am. I'm, I am loving and brave. I'm a truth teller. I'm a community builder. I stand for justice. I teach people their power. That's who I am. I am sick and I am tired and I want to give up. That is an attack from the enemy. That's when my sword comes in. That's when I say I'm God's masterpiece. That's when I say I am the head and not the tail. That's when I use the affirmations as a sword of the spirit to deflect the attack of the enemy. So I want to talk about bringing the whole armor. And I want to share with you another, another tradition, a spiritual practice that comes from my roots, my Pentecostal roots. Last night I taught about faith affirmation, um, the sword of the spirit. And tonight I want to talk about activation activating the scripture in our lives. Part of what it means to be a Pentecostal is that the scripture is not information. It's stuff that needs to be appropriated by faith, right? The promises of God don't do anything until we activate them by faith, until we step into them. And so what I want you to do is, I, I just want to share with you how I activate the armor of God in my life. And I do it in a really, really simple way, and I want to talk you through it, and, and I hope that you will um, you'll participate you know, with a lot of interactive stuff, do as much or as little as you feel comfortable with, and, and adjust it if you want it to work a little bit differently from you. But you know, I want to first talk about my breastplate of justice that I have, my breastplate of justice. You know, I know that, that a breastplate protects the heart and the torso, but also... Have you ever put on a really nice jacket? And have you noticed that your shoulders just go like, they just adjust into the right place? Now imagine it's solid metal and it's made of gold. They weren't really made of gold. In my mind, it's made of gold. So we'll just cope with that. 
You're wearing a gold breastplate. How do you feel? Here's your activation. Just don't force anything. Just let your posture shift into, if you were wearing a golden breastplate, and now visualize it, the power of God, the justice of God surrounding your torso. <laughs> that feeling. You know, when, when I get to that place and I'm sick and I'm tired and I want to give up, I forget how powerful this is. <laughs> I say I have a breastplate of justice. This isn't my justice. This isn't the justice that I'm trying to create in the world. If it was every time I made a mistake, I wouldn't be protected. Every time I did something wrong, every, every time I acted in an unjust way, I wouldn't be protected. This is God's justice. This is the justice of God, which is coming for our world, which our whole world is leading towards. That comes to us as the presence of God, as the Holy Spirit, and surrounds us. And it just lifts our, lifts our chest a little higher, makes us stand a little prouder. And you stop and you feel that around you and you say, wow, if I'm ever in a dungeon in the Roman Empire, I hope I can remember this, this power. God's justice surrounds us. It protects us from guilt and shame. It gives us pride and it gives us confidence. And now just for a moment, come back to your natural posture because I want to tell you about my belt of authenticity. The Roman belt is called a cingulum. Um, and you might have seen this on Roman soldiers with a strap around their waist and then there's a leather apron that hangs down with, with leather straps that come all the way down in the front and it hangs down. And what it does is it protects our most private and intimate areas from attack and exposure while we're in battle. Because they didn't have pants back then. They just had a toga, right? They, you need that if you're going to be doing battle. And I no longer believe what I was taught in Sunday school, that wearing the belt of truth means believing the right doctrines, which is what we're telling you. And you'll be embarrassed if you don't like someone who doesn't have a belt. Because the word truth here is aletheia, which doesn't mean right opinions. It means authenticity. Aletheia, literally the parts of that word, are not to hide or not to cover yourself authenticity. When Hebrews says we can approach God with a true heart, it doesn't mean correct opinion heart, it means an authentic heart. When Jesus said, worship God in spirit and in truth, right, he didn't mean with the correct list of doctrines there, he meant come before God authentically. That's the word aletheia. And when I, when I said before, I'm, I'm tired and I'm sick and I want to give up, there's an authenticity in saying that. You know, part of me, when I'm writing this, is like, don't tell them that. They'll think that you're, you know, you're really easily, you know, whatever. Shut up. That's my authentic truth. That's my belt. That's going to protect. If I'm proud of that, if I own that, then my, my intimate areas of my life are protected from embarrassment because I've already loved who I am. And this is what I want to do to activate the belt. I love doing this. If you want to do this, just give yourself a hug like this. Just do it. Stop. Hug. Just two pieces of armor. Go. I'm going to put on my belt. I'm going to put on my breastplate. Mm. Two seconds. It's such a brilliant way of just recentering yourself. Nothing brings God more joy than your authentic self. Nothing. You, you think about all these things in the world that you should be, right? 
And I long for the day that one day I wake up and I look in the mirror and I'm all the things that I should be. And because of that, I'll just have a deep sense of inner peace and satisfaction and I'll, I'll feel loved by God and, and I'll, be, I'll be whatever. And God's like, I just want you. <laughs> I just want you to be authentic before me. God is pleased with us. God takes joy in us when we're just real. You know, when we say, God, I know that, that my truth is that I'm, I'm loving and I'm brave and I, and I create community and justice, but I'm sick and I'm tired, I want to give up. That moment, God just looks at us and, you know, imagine if someone that you love came to you and told you these private, intimate details authentically, you would love them. That's how God is with us. I also, I have some shoes of peace. Roman shoes are not enclosed. It's basically, it's just a sole, and they had hobnails coming out of the bottom. These are the first grip soles in human history. Because when you're in battle, sometimes you can actually slip backwards. You can lose your footing. And also sometimes, if people aren't confident, they don't march very well because they think they're going to tread on some rocks. These are our shoes of peace. Now, I'm also going to take issue with the Sunday school teaching about the shoes of peace, because I was told you put on these shoes to walk to your friends and tell them, to the, go- tell them the gospel and evangelize them and also go to faraway overseas nations, which never made sense to me because I was in Australia. I don't know how I can get any further from anything, but <laughs> that was the story. That was the, is it? Is it? I don't even know. <laughs> Our instructions about the armor is that we put this on to withstand a spiritual attack. This is about us. This is about our well-being. I put on my shoes. And the gospel, according to Ephesians in chapter 2, it says that Jesus died to break down the wall of hostility between human beings so that the two could be made one and there could be reconciliation. He was talking about Jews and Gentiles. But I'm looking at this room and seeing the denominations that are gathered together here in this place, and I'm seeing a wall of hostility broken down. I'm looking at what we're talking about, about male and female and the wall of hostility, the binary being broken down in strife and in battle. What keeps us firm, what lets us have our grip so that this place that I'm standing, I can actually hold the ground that I'm standing on, is the fact that we're surrounded with each other and we have peace because we're reconciled to each other. You know, I, I had this experience of arriving in New Zealand a couple of days ago, and it was midnight, and I'm like, I think I'm going to get a taxi. But there's Neil picking me up at the airport. It's all been organized. And I don't think everyone knows my history with these folks from MCC here in this place, where I was ordained 16 years ago, and Marion travelled across to Australia to play the guitar at my ordination. Neil came and presented me with my first piece of greenstone from New Zealand. And they were there for me. And there's reconciliation between the two groups. And that's my peace. That's my footing. That's my ground that I have. I just want to, I want to invite you to take a moment. Whether you're sitting, if, if your legs are a little bit shorter, you might want to stand for this. You can do whatever you want. I'm not uncomfortable if you stand. I don't know if you've done this before of just pressing your feet into the ground and letting, you know, all parts of your feet be evenly spread out across the ground so that they're firm. And just imagine that you've actually got, you've got nails going into the ground that are going to hold you in place. And right there in your connection to the ground, Paul's telling us, there's your connection to the community that you've been reconciled with. That's where it is. Do you know, if... 
If you're in a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed, and, and you do this sometimes, you put on your armor and you put on your shoes of peace, and then maybe you're in a situation where, I don't know, you're public speaking and you said the word ooze and it's just, ah. <laughs> just press your feet into the ground. There you are. You're okay. And then I also have, I've got a helmet, which is my hope. Right? In, in another scripture, Paul talks about the armor and he calls it the helmet of hope of salvation. Here in Ephesians, it says the helmet of salvation. But this hope, do you know what I think that means? I don't think that Roman soldiers really needed to protect their skulls so much in the kind of battle that they did. I think a lot more energy went into that big red plume. Historians tell me some of them were different colors. I don't believe them. It's all gold and red in my mind. You do you, I'll do me. That plume, do you know what? You put that hat on, any beautiful hat. It doesn't need to be a Roman soldier hat. Any hat that you like. Put it, when I put a hat on, I don't know what happens to me. I actually get taller. This is me without a hat. Oh, there I am with a hat. And this is, what, this is how I love to do it. I put on my shoes of peace by pressing my feet into the ground. Then I put on my helmet of salvation. I don't try to improve my posture. I just feel my whole body becoming straight. From the shoes of peace right up to the helmet of hope. I've been saved. I'm not gay anymore. <laughs> no, I, I am. I am. Don't even worry. <laughs> I assume that was the joke you were making. I don't know. You made the joke. Is my face the color of the plume? I don't know. I... <laughs> Still not as bad as ooze. I don't know. Okay. The night is young. I could say worse things. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is what I think. When ancient Roman military historians talked about the helmet, they talk about morale. That's what's important. Th those soldiers put on that hat, there's that red plume. Everyone knows I am the embodiment of the Roman Empire. You walk down the street in that hat and people don't say, oh, look, Dennis has showed up. They, I don't think Roman people are called Dennis. <laughs> what are they called? Gaius. Oh, look, Gaius has showed up. That's a good Roman name. You see that and you say the Roman Empire has shown up. Put on your helmet of salvation and everywhere you go, the kingdom of God has shown up. That's the morale that it is. That's why it makes you stand tall. Put your feet into the ground, ground there in the feet. If you're sitting down and you're doing this, you can use your sit bones in the chair and it still uses, it's that same grounding effect. You know what sit bones are? I'm not going to demonstrate what sit bones are. I, you just press into the surface, your contact with the earth, and then you feel that, that helmet of the hope of salvation that comes through the kingdom of God expanding in this world, and just let yourself grow tall. I just want to invite you for a moment. These, these are my main four, right? Because I think that the shield and the sword, they're for a specific battle that you're fighting in. This stuff you're going to wear pretty much when you're marching, day by day. These four, I like to keep it simple. You know, what I do is I imagine myself surrounded by that golden breastplate. I give myself a hug. I press my feet into the floor and I stand tall. I just want to invite you, if you're comfortable standing, to stand. If you want to do this sitting, then sit and just take a moment. That gold breastplate, let it surround you. 
let it let it fill you with a confidence that God's justice is protecting you. And now that authenticity, God is pleased. God takes joy in exactly who you are right now. Go and give yourself a hug. Feet firm into the ground. And then put on that beautiful hat. Stand nice and tall. I love the little, some people went like this. <laughs> it was very cute. <laughs> you may be seated, right? That's, I talked a bit about the sword. I want to talk about the shield in closing. Um, the sword is my affirmations, right? That's not so much a physical thing. That's, I need to say that to use my sword. But the shield, there's just something. There's something so incredibly special and beautiful about my shield. I'm going to run quickly through facts about the shield because it's the size of a door, it's fireproof, and it can deflect boulders, according to military historians. Um, I could tell you the mechanics. You don't want to know all of that. This is my, none of those things are my favorite thing about the shield of faith. The shield of faith was designed to link with other people's shields. I don't know if you've seen this. I see this in movies all the time. It is called the tortoise formation, which after Suck It Up, Survive, tortoise formation is my other favorite thing that I get to say out loud today. You'll see this in movies. There's just a box of Roman shields, and you know that it lifts up, and it's like the Flintstones, all these little soldier feet, they go doo 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 doo. <laughs> And it moves along. And it's, it's a tank on legs. Fireproof, boulder deflecting, wooden tank on legs. And that, that's where we... Do you know what this room is? This is a tortoise formation. That's what we are. We're here linking our shields together. Military historians say there are stories of horses and horses with chariots charging into a tortoise formation, winding up on top of the tortoise formation, coming off the other side, and everyone inside's fine. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful image? <laughs> the shield is the power of God that surrounds our community as all of our faith interlocks with each other. When we take a formation in community, and I don't think I'm overthinking this, because in this scripture, when Paul concludes this section, he, how do you do, put on the armor of God, do all these things, and he says, do this by praying for one another with all prayer and supplication. That's how we do it. That's how we put on. When we pray for one another, when we do that, what we're doing is we're linking shields into this big, safe, fireproof, missile-proof, chariot-proof tank of interlocking wooden shields. Our prayer life. And yesterday before I preached, Colin Daly, who I've known online for years and have just met in person, just came up to me and said, you're about to preach. Could I pray for God's anointing to be on you? And he held my hands and he prayed for me and he put his shield around me. And it was around me all night long. That's what our prayers do. His shield was around me. I needed it. I told a lot of embarrassing stories. If I hadn't had the shield... I wouldn't have told them. I would have not had the courage. But I want to close with a final activation of the group. And this one involves touch, so it's okay to sit out. If you want to participate in this but not physically touch, then maybe join your hands together like this. But I want to invite us to have that moment where we stand in prayer and we hold each other's hands. 
Colin, would you, would you come hold my hands while I do this? Um, and if the musicians want to pray, play, or pray, or both. <laughs> I'm also honouring the fact that it is Irish Boxing Day, the day after <laughs> Patrick Day. I got it in there, I got it in there. God, we arise today through a mighty strength. We hold hands together with Christ within us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ inside us, Christ when we arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of us, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of us, Christ in the eyes of everyone who sees us, Christ in the ears of everyone that hears us. Amen. God, we thank you for activating our armor today. May we all go from this place in touch with an eternal power that never runs out. May we go from this place resilient and strong and wearing the armor of God and standing against every attack of the enemy. In Jesus' name, let's say it together. Amen. We're going to sing. Please be Remain standing if you like.
Thanks, everyone. As we come to a conclusion tonight, there are a few ways that you can stay around and uh, minister to yourself, be ministered to by a few other people. Um, there's a lot of rocks here. I really love rocks. Um, love them so much. <laughs> and what you can do is uh, to symbolize our communal armor is just get a couple of them and in one of these trays, build a pile of rocks and it's going to symbolize that solidarity with, we have with each other. Um, another thing you can do is if you want to spend some time meditating or journaling, there are going to be questions that are going to come up across the screen uh, that you can just contemplate on those for a while. And Glenn and I are going to be at the, at the back corner over there, just ready to minister to anyone who would like prayer. Um, so that's what we're going to do now. And I'm guessing there'll be some, some gentle music as well while that's going on. Uh, God bless you. I don't know, is there another liturgical feature that I'm leaving out that should happen? No, come, Benedict. Benedict away. <laughs> I know all the words. I know all of them. 